0: A, uh, it's an honor to be here. We are very excited. Our family is very excited to be in Clemson. This place is uh, very dear to us, as uh, some of you guys know, and and uh, I paid Patrick uh, to shed tears. Just in case you didn't know who we were, he would represent, you know, and just, no. <laughs> oh my gosh, that beard. All right. Um. It is great to be back in Clemson. I got I'm starting to sweat a little bit, I mean, uh, uh, This is being live streamed, right? Okay? I don't talk about much football in Gainesville. Um, so all right, so uh, why don't we why don't we have a prayer because I, I got to get spiritual. Okay. Father, we love you. We uh, are so grateful to be here, so thankful uh, for Clemson and so grateful for the Clemson Foothills Church. Uh, just grateful for the relationships that uh, that we've been able to uh, forge over the years and uh, the connections. And uh, God, your kingdom is amazing. And uh, the way that uh, you know we can come in and be uh, encouraged and learn about you and become Christians and then move off and go away and become a part of a a sister fellowship somewhere, and then be able to come back and um, to be encouraged and to be inspired and to reconnect, it's, uh, it's just, it's powerful, it really is, and so I'm very grateful to be here, thank you so much for Keith and Abby and the way they lead the church here, thank you so much for all of my brothers here, brothers and sisters here, those whom I know we know well, and those who uh, we don't, I'm just very grateful for their hearts uh, and their work and service to the church and to the community here. Uh, Father, please be with me. Help me to say what I need to say. Help me to say it quick. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, because I don't say things quickly. Um, Shut up. Oh, yeah, i got to pray again. God, (laughs) please help my heart with Jacob. (laughs) All right, open up your Bibles to John chapter 5, because that's uh, where I'm going to be reading this morning. But before I do, I want to go through... Uh, I want to go through a, a, a couple things here. Um, oh, I got to turn it on. After all these years, you would think I would have a handle on technology. Okay, that is January fourth, two thousand and nine. That was the very first uh, worship service of the Clemson Foothills Church, right in front of that's the house I was uh, living in, and uh, right down the street from where you live now. All right, and uh, and so uh, so that's. Hey, look at there. If you're in that picture right there, stand up. If you're in that picture. <laughs> yeah, look at there. See? That's cool. All right, y'all can sit down. All right, you're beautiful people. Uh, also, here's just some pictures I pulled up just to put up there real quick. And not everybody is going to be on this, uh, on this, so please forgive me. But, uh, yeah, so we got some, got some fun stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> He did not show up in his overalls yesterday. I was very disappointed. Um, look at this guy. He's got brown hair. Oh my gosh! Look at that right there. Look at these two cuties. Look at that. Wow. Look at look at look at these two cuties and that guy right there hanging off my chest. Wow. Anyway, that was cool. There's some of the kids. If you are in this picture, stand up. <laughs> if you are in this picture. <laughs> yeah, everybody take a look. They, they're in that picture. That's them. All right. Okay. There they are again. There That's when you used to be able to touch the rock. What's up with that? I go, I go to take my son yesterday after the game. And I was like, let's go touch the rock. And I got this big, like, fortified thing on it and you yeah. touch and it zaps you, yeah. you know, yeah, shocks like you rock. something. But anyway, that's me and Royce yeah, yeah. touching the rock together. And because uh, Royce and I came together, basically, um, we were on a mission to convert his wife to Clemson Tiger football. So she, yeah, she's a, uh, a game cop. I'm a loyalist. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we were recruiting. Trying to get him to get here, so, yep. That was one of our campus uh, banquets, you know, look crazy stuff. Look at that beautiful couple right there, yeah, Uh uh-huh, okay. All right, I got to go, I got to keep going. All right, it takes Jesus, I'm going to need this, but I'm going to sit right here. It does take Jesus, all right? So, John chapter 5. Uh, and I also need to preface, key thanks for the opportunity. Y'all buckle down, two hours, here we go. All right. Actually, you know what? Now my timer's on. All right. Verse 1 of chapter 5. So, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there, who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man uh, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. who had made him well. You know, there's three, uh, three takeaways that, um, that I'm hoping that you guys can take away with from the lesson this morning. One, uh, there are choices. Two, uh, there are those who help you with those choices. And three, it's up to you to make the right choice. So here's this man who had been an invalid for, for much of his life, if not most of his life, if not all of his life. And, uh, and he would find his way to this place every day um, with the possibility of that place being able to get him well again, make him better. Uh, and every day he had a choice to make about his life. Uh, my first point this morning uh, is there are choices we have to make. Who went to the game yesterday? Okay. Okay. Um, who, uh, who did not put on sunscreen, but you went to the game yesterday? Okay, who was affected by not putting on sunscreen by going to the game yesterday? Okay, can you all stand up, please? I'm sorry, I had to put you on the spot. Can, those of you who did not put on sunscreen... All right. We just want to take a look. (laughs) I put sunscreen on. I just missed a spot. All right. All right. So I want everybody to stay. Oh, no, no. Come on. Yeah. All right. So take a look. Now, can you kind of got. Yeah, I can see it right there. That was a bad choice. Um, Very bad choice. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. There it is. There it is. Bad choice. Uh, it's a bad choice all right y'all can sit down all right see we have to we all have to make choices. there are choices you have to make. you know there are good choices and there are bad choices. Um, I did not grow up in a household that was centered on God or his word, but I did grow up in a household um, as a kid uh, with parents who taught us. Um, God-principled things, okay? And I'm very grateful for the things that my parents taught me growing up. However, that didn't stop me from making some very bad choices in life. Um, And I'm sure other than the sunscreen people in here, none of us have made bad choices in life, right? Uh, Pretty much, we've all made the right choices, okay? Um, So, but it didn't stop me growing up uh, from making uh, bad choices, you want to hear some of those bad choices that I made? Oh, yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. I know you look at me and think, he's a lover, not a fighter. Well, I got, I, I got in a lot of fights, um, you know, growing up. I was a military brat, moved from place to place all the time, and somehow I'd always end up getting uh, into fights and uh, bad choices. Uh, sneaking out of the house as a kid. Um, you know, I know none of us have ever done that, okay? Uh, but I did that, bad choices. Getting drunk with my friends growing up. Uh, Bad choice. Looking at pornography. Bad choice. Uh, Cheating on some exams in school. uh, Bad choice. Uh, Taking advantage of girls. Bad choice. Bad choices. Now, I did make some good choices, but but I made a lot of bad choices. You know, I shared this recently in our church in Gainesville, but uh, not too long ago, uh, Chloe... You know, my 15 year old um, and I had, were having a conversation. We were driving through my old town in Alpharetta, Georgia, where I went to high school, and, uh, and my old neighborhood, and kind of showing her things. And, you know, hey, there's my house, and you know, this is the dirt road now. It's called Windward Parkway, but it used to be a bi- bi- <laughs> big dirt road. India knows what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so we would, dra- me and my friends would drag race, ba- another bad choice, uh, with, our, <laughs> with, with our cars as 16 year olds. Um, and i uh, 'd show Chloe that and i 'd say, and this is what I, this is when I skipped school and went down by the lake. See that spot right over there you know that 's where J- Jason and I just kind of laid out in the sun you know' what we did back then um and I said, you know and she 's just kind of looking at me and um she goes, Man, you did a lot of fun things she said uh you know, Daddy, you have all these stories, and i, I don't i won 't have any of these stories to tell my kids one day and and uh and so you know so I'll, in my mind i'm thinking good, you know <laughs> very good uh but but here's the thing chloe has uh has you know i made a lot of bad choices when I was chloe 's age, but chloe's making the right choices um in her life and you know and, and about uh Gosh, it'll almost be two years in uh, in September, um, but uh, but that's one of the most awesome choices this little girl has ever made um, was uh, was to make Jesus Lord to decide that you know she was going to get baptized and uh, and I I wish growing up that I had had the influence in my life for someone to teach me how to love God you know, and how to make the right choices. Um, so, good choice, good choice. Um, but here's the thing about Chloe and about those who make choices to make Jesus Lord. The, the, the adventures may not be drag racing or looking at pornography or taking advantage of girls or partying or going and getting drunk. Uh, but there are uh, adventures that are so much more amazing, right. Come on, so much more amazing than those things. And I remember after I got baptized at the University of Georgia, Go Dogs. Um, you know, I the, the the campus ministry. The guys were just so. You know, they grabbed onto me. We're gonna go. We're gonna be having, you know. I'm thinking, how can I have more? How can I have more fun being a Christian? Because growing up, Christianity was kumbaya, Lord, kumbaya. You know, sitting around a campfire. Y'all know the image, right? But rather, it was something so different. I got baptized. These guys grabbed onto me. This one brother, Chad Garber, said, "We're going to the dorms." You know, takes me to the dorms of you know uh, at Myers in uh, at the University of Georgia. And he says, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to every door in the dorm and we're going to knock on it. We're going to invite everybody to church." I'm like, "Okay, fine." He says, "No, no, no. But we've got to do it with an English accent." <laughs> I'm like, "Wait a minute." really? Awesome! You know, and so we'd go to every door and say, good day, how are you? And, although that's, you know, Australian. But anyway, so it's like, want to invite you to church. Would you like to come? You know, and, and so these guys, like, uh, uh, you know, because it just sounded cool. I thought, hey, if you sounded cool and you had a cool accent, they'd come to church with you, right? So Anyway, we did that, but we had a blast. You know, it was just a lot of fun. It was dumb. Nobody came to church with us, but it was fun. Um, but, uh, you know, there was another time where we we, we said, you know, let's, we, we went to the bathroom, okay, together, and we, there was a gu- we were saying, let's, let's check and see if there's anybody in, the, anybody in the stalls. Hang with me here, okay? Anybody? Was, there were some guys in the stalls, so we go into the bathroom, and uh, and so Chad goes, you ready? I'm like, I'm ready. He says, okay. He goes, Hey man, I'm like, oh hey, how are you? He says, hey, um, I want to invite you to something. I'm like, oh okay. We know knowing the guys in the stall, you know. <laughs> hey man, I really want you to come to church with me. I'm like, oh what is it? He says, well it's the uh, the Athens Church of Christ. I'm like. Man, I'd love to. What, what, are, what do you guys do? He, so he goes through this whole spiel about, man, we have volleyball on Friday nights. And, man, we do this and do that. And, you know, just having a blast. And, and I'm like, man, this is what I've been looking for. This is awesome. Everybody should come to this. He's like, you're right. And I'm like, oh, man, all right, thanks, man. Awesome. And he gives me the time and date and all that stuff. And he walks out. And I'm like, man. And so now I'm just in there. Man, that was really amazing. I need to change my life. So then I walk out, and I know this guy was in there going, you know, I don't know if he ever came to church, I like to think he did, but you know, we'd get on the bus, you know, here it's Cat, there it was, you know, one of the other, the UGA bus, but we'd get on it, and me and the brothers would get in there, and you know, we'd stand up, and we'd say, who in here is a Christian, you know, and uh, uh, said, great, then you're gonna want to come to this, you know. And so we had invite them to Bible talk and all this stuff. Anyway, my point is, adventures—they were adventures. It was fun. It was exciting. It wasn't, hey, I gotta go get drunk. Hey, I gotta go do all this stuff. They were different choices that we had to make. Um, here, here's some folks that uh, that made some pretty cool choices. Yeah. Look at that guy right there. Who's yeah. that? If you don't know who that is, that's Patrick, okay? He has, he now has a beard right there, okay? All right, that was a good choice. I was going to ask if anybody knew who that was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Now, I I, should have put a, I should have shown another picture. By the way, that's, that's January 30th, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cold. It was very cold, ice water right there, but, but he went in and he got baptized. Great choice. Yeah, there it <laughs> Y'all know her? There's Liz. Yep. She's not here today, right? Or she's teaching? Okay. All right. So there's Liz. Good choice. You know. Oops. All right. So, um, so there are, you know, so there are choices that we make, and they're very good choices. I wrote a, another few uh, choices down. Alex Burke deciding to come to Clemson. Where are you? Great choice, bro. Um, Also a great choice to marry who you married. All right. Um, Jacob, uh, you know, you know, I just showed his picture, but, you know, he came for a while. Nobody, I didn't even ask him to study the Bible. He just wouldn't study the Bible. He came in because he wore PJs (laughs) to church. Okay. No, 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 no. You can't speak. I'm preaching. You can't speak. Okay. No, you can't speak. I'm preaching. All right. So, so, you know, he'd wear, it's like, I, I don't know, is this guy ready? So he'd come to church and all that stuff. And, uh, but but basically, finally, he came up to me and he made a choice. And said, "Will you study the Bible with me?" And said, "Okay, yeah, we'll study with you. Great choice." Um, you know, Megan, um, you know, she she had to make some some really uh, important choices with respect to her family, you know, and being being a Christian and being a disciple, and um, and it wasn't easy. And just great choices. Um, y'all also didn't know about Patrick. He wanted to be a Presbyterian yep. minister, um, and so. He's not. Um, he, he became a disciple. That was a good choice. Uh, ben uh, coming to coming to Clemson. He was not originally like you know. It wasn't like man. I'm going to be on the you know Clemson foothills. He came. You helped some folks move in, right? You, move in. you helped me move in, right? <laughs> you helped me move in, and he made the choice. He's like you know what? I think I want to be here. Yeah. You know, and I'm like great because we don't have a song leader. You <laughs> know. Oh, and I like you. Um, but, uh, but made a choice to come. And um, so, anyway, and, there, and, and all of us in here, we make a lot of different choices and great choices, I'm sure. As Christians, we're faced every day with having to make important choices in our lives. We have to tr- choose between right and wrong every day. Between the world and the word of truth. There are choices that we have to make that aren't easy choices. Every day, I have to get up. I've been a disciple for over 23 years. Every day I have to wake up and, and make a decision to make the right choice. Yeah. Yep. That's right. You have to make choices every day. Well, I get up and choose to spend time with God. Amen. Do you make that choice every day? Or are you just kind of, well, you know, I have enough carrying over from yesterday. or I have, You know, last week I had a great quiet time. We all every day we have to make the choice. Am I gonna stand up, get up, get with God, and spend some great time with Him? Will I pray? Will I read His Word? Every day we have to make the choice about whether or not we're gonna be critical. Now I know this is this doesn't happen here. I know there's no critical heart in this room about anything, especially no critical heart towards Keith. You know? Because Keith is amazing, you know, he's just awesome. He is, the, he is like the, 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 the textbook definition of awesome, you know? Yeah, and so he's going to kill me later. All right. Um, but, but, you know, every day we have to make a choice, even with respect to church and our walk and, the, you know, the discipling relationships that we have. Am I going to be critical? Or am I going to be really open to hearing what people have to say? Will I be kind and compassionate? Will I make the choice to love people and put them ahead of my own needs? We have to make the choice about whether or not we're going to repent of sin or not. Now, we can't be naive. We know in this room there's sin. We know there's sin in here, you know, we know there's sin that that we, we deal with every day that we've talked about, but we also know there's sin in the room that has not been talked about. Sin that has not been confessed, sin that hasn't been, you know, dealt with in our own personal lives. We know that. We'd be naive to think that it isn't. We have to make the choice every day. Am I going to walk this day with a clear conscience? Yeah. That's right. Am I going to come to church on Sunday and take the Lord's Supper? Am I going to take the bread and am I going to take the cup? And yet, I'm not dealing with my sin. I'm not being open. I'm not, I'm not choosing to repent. We have to make that choice. We have to make the choice about what kind of husband we're going to be or what kind of wife we're going to be. How we're going to raise our kids. And are we going to go solo on that or are we going to pull other people into our lives to help us? Will I go to church on Sunday? Will I go to church on Wednesday? We have to make that choice. What kind of example will I be to others? There are choices That you're gonna have to make. Now, I appreciate again all the choices that these guys made. I gotta get through these real quick to get to my next point. Then you have those who will, those who help you with your choices. That's my second point. So, growing up, my parents uh, would teach me, and then I had to choose. So, my parents, I didn't grow up in a God, you know, like a God centered, uh, you know, household. But my parents taught me a lot of great things. Then I had to choose what I was going to do with those things. They laid down the law. They established the boundaries for my sister and I, and even disciplined our disobedience. However, they couldn't stop. My parents could not stop us from doing what we wanted to do. At the end of the day, that's right. That's right. They couldn't do it. We had to make our own choices. Yeah. Guess what? Now I'm the parent. Now I'm the parent. Now I'm laying down the law, right girls? Okay. (laughs) You know, Stacy and I who are are trying to establish the boundaries for our children, we're trying to teach them right from wrong. Um, How to be selfless, how to be giving, how to be respectful, uh, how to be kind and compassionate. We're trying to raise little disciples. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, But we cannot make Chloe and Reese do anything. You know, and those of us parents who think we can make our children do something, we are gravely mistaken. So it's really good, I would say, on the front end to establish that kind of relationship to where the kids actually respect you as parents. To where it's not a battle to get them to do what you're trying to encourage them to do. You know, they, they want to do it because they respect you and they trust you and they trust the guidance that yeah. you're giving them. Now, I know some of you guys, you campus students are like this part not for me. I'm going to zone out. It will be for you one day. OK, mark my words. Um, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember. No, you, what did that guy say about, you know, how to raise my kids? One day you're going to be in the same boat right now. You've just come out of being those ones that the parents have been trying to help. Um, as parents, it's, it's important for us to help our kids become who they need to be. It's not different in the church. God has set up the church specifically to help us to learn and to grow. So the, uh, the, the, the Gainesville Christian Church, the Clemson uh, Foothills Church, the churches God established have been established to help us to grow, to become who we need to be. And so what, the way that's established, that the, there is leadership and relationships in the church. All right. So you got you got Keith and you got Abby and you got see the Hagens back there. I guess you guys have now moved here. You're like, let's wait till Jared gets out of here. You know, Um, but uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you've got some really great uh, established leadership here in the church and they're here because God has placed them here. And he's, pl- he's placed you here so that the church can grow. So this, this community can be reached. So the campus can be reached. But not just the campus. So marrieds can be reached Amen. in Clemson. So young professionals and singles, those who Amen. stay behind, can be reached. Um, you know, so the church is, is, is not different than even the, the, uh, the nuclear family and trying to help, you know, having mom and dad teach the kids how they need to be raised. All right? Um, you know, as an evangelist or minister, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not an easy job. What, what Keith does is not easy. What Abby does isn't easy. This is a, it's tough to be full-time in the ministry. To have people that you're over, that you're trying to help, that you're trying to encourage, that you need to get in there with, that you see things in their life, you see things in their marriage, you're trying to point things out, you know, trying to lead and guide people in the right direction, that's not an easy job. Um, Anytime you're responsible responsible for or given responsibility for others in any capacity, it's hard. And any parent in here knows that. Hebrews 13, 17 says that that leaders keep watch over you as men who must give an account. I feel that with my children. I feel that with Stacy. I feel that with the Gainesville Christian Church. I'm going to have to give an account for the responsibility that I've taken on with all those that I lead and serve. You know, Keith is going to have to do the same thing. Um, James three one says, "Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know uh, that we who teach will be judged more strictly." God tells us how important the leadership role is. Um, now, I bet that we've all been in some sort of a leadership role in our in this room. Everybody in this room has been in some sort of a leadership role. Maybe it's some role of authority um, where you're guiding or training somebody, managing, teaching. Maybe a business owner or a group of three. Y'all do groups of three here? Uh, Groups of three leaders. I I didn't know if y'all kept up with that. Um, Discipling relationship, family group leader, project leader, big brother, big sister, a parent, a guardian, or just a friend. Everybody has had the role of of leader in this room. But not one of these roles can make anybody do anything they don't want to do. When God designed the church, he was prepared. And he had worked hard to raise up 12 guys. And these 12 guys would go out and build the church all over the world. 12 men who would be raised up to be competent to instruct others. Leaders, shepherds, evangelists, elders, administrators, women's ministry leaders, older women teaching the younger women, all trained to be ready to go in order to help God's people make the right choices. Ephesians 4, just write this down. you have to turn there. 11, verse 13, it says, It was he who gave, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's uh, people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God set up the authoritative roles in the church. The helper role, the servant role, the shepherd role, the overseer role, the parental role, the governing role. Why? In order to, what, build God's church up. That's why he did it. He did it to make us all well. So in John chapter 5, Jesus tells the story of a place in Bethsaida in Jerusalem where those who needed healing would go to the healing pool. And the story is, is that sometime during the day, an angel would come down, and he'd stir this pool. And the first one to be able to get into the pool after the angel had stirred the pool would be healed. Whatever ailment they had, whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever was wrong with them, they would be healed. Okay? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be cool if there was a pool in town, Right? And, uh, and then we could all go to it and it would start stirring and the first one to get in, anything that was wrong, any ailment, any sickness, anything you know you want to change, you could get into that pool of water and it would change. It would be remedied. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd imagine most of us in this, new, in, in this, in this room, if we needed healing, would figure out a way uh, to be the first one in that pool once the angel stirred it. First one in. I'd say that if, Uh, you know, that if it was a pool that not only healed you but would change something about you that you really wanted to have changed in your life. Okay, I'm not just talking about a healing of some sort. Just something you've always wanted to change. You couldn't change. So you were able to get in that pool and all of a sudden you changed. For example, my hair's thinning. Okay, right? (laughs) You and me, bro. All right? So my hair's thinning. And uh, there was a time when I had these beautiful blonde... Bangs that would hang down, and they could—I could just, you know, flow them back, and you know, they were awesome bangs. I loved my bangs, and and I would even go to the, you know, they bleached blonde bangs, and um, they were good bangs. You remember my bangs? You remember? Okay, so, um, but uh, but you know, so if I could if I could get into that pool and come back out in Fabio, you know, just flowing locks of blonde hair, you know, coming out. I mean, I would, I, if, and, and I knew that as soon as the angel finished stirring that pool right there, and I had to be the first one in, I would be in that pool. I would be in there. So let's say you were shorter, and you said, I want to be taller, and you could get in, and you'd be taller because you got in that water. Or instead, you know, you're like, man, I, I don't see very well. I have to wear these, you know, bifocals. And, but you can get in the water, come out, and you can see perfectly. You know, bypass LASIK altogether. Better vision. Perfect vision. You know? Or what if you suffered from severe halitosis? <laughs> very bad breath. Okay? But you knew. I get in that water, I come out, and it's like magic coming out of your mouth. You know? It's like, you would do it. You would do whatever it takes to get into that pool. Right? Somebody, exactly.
1: <laughs> what if
0: what if the pool though it just made you the most amazing version of you yeah. that you need to be. Yeah. Just the best version of you. Who you, are, who you were meant to be in God's eyes. And all you had to do was get into that water, and that's what you could become. So there's this man who for 38 years was an invalid, and probably for just as long had been getting himself close to the pool, but to this point had not gotten himself into the pool. And it says in John chapter 5, verse 6, says when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? This is a great story because it's a small example that we can understand that shows us the bigger picture of the relationship between man and God. It's a story within the story of, of how it all works. All right, I want to read a scripture. Look at Romans chapter 5. This one I do want you to go to, but hold your place in, in John chapter 5 there. But look at Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of, uh, time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men. You know, because of sin, we aren't well. Because of sin, man is not well. We're not well. And we all need help. Through Adam's disobedience towards God, death entered the world. And took health away from man through Jesus, we're able to be brought back to life. Through the healing of Jesus, we're able to be brought back to the life, brought back to life. But what's really amazing as we keep looking is that it wasn't even the pool for this man that helped this man. And that's my final point. Is that it's up to you to make the right choice. It's up to you to make the right choice. All right? It's on your shoulders, and it's not on Keith's shoulders. It's not on your family group leader's shoulders. It's not on your husband's shoulders. It's not on your wife's shoulders. It's not on your roommate's shoulders. At the end of the day, it's on your shoulders. It's up to you to make the right choice, even though you have people there to help you with those choices uh, that you have to make. So. The servants, the ministers, the evangelists, the elders, the family group leaders, you know, we all have to give an account for, you know, what we do. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choice to get well. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? You know, I think Jesus was probing into the man's will when he asked this. Do you want to get well? I mean, because if, if I'm that guy and Jesus is asking me, do you want to get well? I kind of want to stand up in front of Jesus and go, are you Dumb? He didn't know he was Jesus, remember? Okay. So he could say that because he's just a guy. We wouldn't say that to Jesus knowing that was Jesus. But I wouldn't want to stand up to the guy telling me that are you dumb? Of course I want to get well. Every day I'm down here. But I think Jesus was probing into the into the innards of this guy, into his heart, into who he was and what he was really emphatic about accomplishing in his life. Do you want to get well? You know, we look at the church as our own personal fix me, serve me, teach me, make me happy resource. Oftentimes, that's what we do with the church. We want the church to be that thing that fixes us. We want Keith, you're supposed to fix me. You know, Jacob, you're supposed to fix me. Uh, ben, you're supposed to fix me. You are. You're, you're supposed. To... That's not. That's not true. Nobody in this room is supposed to fix you. You have to make the choice. You have to decide. Do you want to get well? So I want to get well, but no no one's here helping me the way that I feel like they ought to be helping me get well. I can't get healed because the right sermons aren't preached. The sermons are just too soft. I can't really change because he's just too much of a softy. <laughs> you hearing that from people? <laughs> <laughs> or he's too harsh. He's just man, he says too many hard things. He said, "I want more grace, man. Be gracious with me. You know, just love and grace and fuzzies and you know, it's like I can't I can't get well if he if he's so harsh. Too many scriptures are being used in the sermons. Good grief, if there weren't so many scriptures, I could get well. He doesn't use enough scriptures, just one scripture for a whole sermon. It's crazy, how is suppo- the Spirit supposed to you know, work in my life if I only get one scripture in a sermon? <laughs> I can't get well because we don't meet enough. I can't get well because we meet too much. I can't get well because we don't meet where I want to meet. I've been telling him I want to meet in my house. I'm not in the family group that I want to be in. I can't get well because my baby keeps me up at night. Hit a nerve. We don't meet on the days that I prefer or, or that are best for me. See, we, 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 we use church and the fellowship and say, this is what's supposed to fix me. But you have to make the choice. Keith isn't perfect. I know that is shocking. And he can be blunt. He's flexible and he's not flexible. But God's chosen him to lead the church here. You say, well, if the leadership of the church would just make things this way or that way, then I could get well. I'm not as close to God as I could be because I'm not connecting to the worship. You know, I come in here and it's a circle. This isn't what I grew up doing. I grew up in, you know... Where are the pews? Where's the stained glass window? You know, where is the you know where is the organ? Where it you know, what, was what a box? These guys beating on a box. I can't I can't get well that way. It's it's too light and bright in here. I just can't do it. No one talks to me. People talk during the Lord's Supper. That's not going to get me well. Everybody should be quiet, and we should hear crickets during the Lord's Supper. No. You have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. Do you want to get well? Is the same question for those who aren't where they need to be in their walk with God as the question was for this man who's on his knees trying to get into the water by the well. Jesus, again, he asked the question, but the question goes deeper. First, the invalid needed to be honest with himself. I think that's what Jesus wanted him to think about. You've got to be honest with yourself. Do you really want to get well? Do you really want things to change? We have to ask ourselves that question. Do you really want to get well? Do you really want things to change? And can you handle the responsibility that will come and become a a regular part of your life if you do want to change? Second, you've got you to be ready to really do things differently. you got to really decide, I'm ready to do things differently in my life. Sometimes, wow. sometimes our healing comes with a price tag. It's supposed to come with a price tag. Right. Yeah. Once that guy was able to get up, he, the respo- he, he had to take on responsibilities that he never had before. Yeah. To that point, everybody else was bringing him to the water. To that point, they would take him home, take him to the marketplace, bring his food, everything he needed. But once he got healed, he had to to really take on the responsibility of taking care of his own life. Are we willing to pay the cost of really getting healed? Are we really willing to do what it takes? Often I wonder if we want to be healed but aren't ready for the change that it brings. So what we do is we remain in a state of blame. We remain in a state of mediocrity. We remain in a state of not being healed because what that would mean for us. And people see we're not healed. People see we're not doing well. So what do we do? We blame shift and we don't take responsibility. I'm not saying that we aren't, that there aren't those of us who haven't been affected by life and by other people in our lives and, and that we've been hurt in some way, but we still have to make the decision, the choice ourselves about what we're going to do and how we're going to get healed. You know, the Clemson Foothills Church was planted in January of 2009, and the way I look at it, it's still a mission field. This is still a, this is the mission. You know, Gainesville was planted in 1999, still the mission. You know, it's no different. We're still having to reach the lost. We're still having to you know, build relationships and help people. But in order to do that in this room, members of the church, we've got to make sure that we're healed, right. that we are healed, that we're doing well so that we can in turn help other people get healed yeah. and do well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we got every disciple in here needs to pull your weight. You need to pull your weight. You've got to do that in servitude and evangelism and commitment and growing spiritually. You've got to do that. But are you sitting off to the side, a spiritual invalid, basically invalid when it comes to having an amazing impact here? All right, so I've got to close out. John chapter 5. So before we read, so did that guy ever get into the water? Yep. Nope. 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 Never got in the water. Never got in there, all right? Something else happened. The water did not heal him. Verse 8, John chapter 5. Says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. And the day in which which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. All right? So... It's Jesus who asked the question, do you want to get well? It's Jesus who told the man what he had to do. He said, pick up your mat and walk. The healing pool, great. People were able to get into it and get healed, great. But that's not what healed this man. And the healing that that pool brought any, anybody that was able to get into it was not the same kind of healing that Jesus would bring to his life. It takes Jesus. Yeah, amen. It takes Jesus you know relationships are extremely important we need them God tells us that we need them they help us in the choices that we make God sets up leadership in the church leadership is very important we need to support our leadership uh, those who lead us in helping us to get well but in the end it was Jesus who made the invalid well it was Jesus who made the invalid well and it's Jesus in the end who's going to make each one of us well our love for Him, our understanding of Him, our, our obedience of Him, it takes Jesus. But it's still up to you to make the right choice. Right. Yeah. We have to take responsibility for our lives and our own walk with God. There are choices you've got to make. There are those who help you make those choices and they're important people in your lives. But it's up to you to make the right choice. Um, You can't forget that in the end, it takes Jesus.